Thank you for calling the Roach Group. This is Chuck. How may I help you? I speak to Woody, please. Uh, may I let him know who's calling? Yeah, it's Joey Jingola. All right, Joey, I'll be just one moment. Thank you. You're welcome. Good afternoon, this is Woody. Woody, it's Joey Jingola. Joey, how's it going? Good, how you doing, sir? Pretty good, pretty good. This is insurance in your own words from the people who are living and breathing it every day and are struggling to figure out where this industry is going and what they need to do to stay ahead. Hosted by me, Joey Jingola. Let's get into it. Yeah, so just it's just uh, personal lines. So home auto life, no no health, you know, households, just the kind of the classic sort of middle American, you know, multi car household here in Georgia, you know. Yeah. Homes around the three hundred fifty, four hundred thousand dollar range is really kinda of like the, the meat and potatoes of, of my book of business. And then, you know, a couple of outliers here and there on the uh, high net worth folks and you know, obviously that's everybody's like everybody wants that target, you know. Now, there's nothing wrong with some meat and potatoes, right? I think so. That was my buddy Woody Brown of the Rose Group talking about, well, his favorite meal of choice, and that would be, in his case, um, personal lines, home, auto, and life. Of the 350000 to 400000 home value variety, and I um, always enjoy that level of detail when talking to people about the things they like to sell and of course you know it's like hey listen i mean i might i just might have a few kind of high rollers in the club but you know not that many maybe not as many as i'd like but that's who i want right those are the people those are my meat and potato folks those are the guys that are the majority of my book of business they are the people that i know best the people that i enjoy doing business with and I would like to find more. Now, personal lines, home out of life. I like it when it gets that specific, right? Because not only now, you know, Woody knows exactly who he wants, right? But the challenge is, is that we sometimes don't take the time to you know, acknowledge that, that we know <laughs> who those people are. When you know who those people are, you then know what they do, you know where they are, you know who they're friends with, you know all sorts of things that allow you to get in front of them and kind of communicate with them in the way they want to be communicated with. And it's more or less just about actually saying, I am the person for these people. And we've had, you know, obviously had these conversations before, uh, but I don't think it's something that can't be emphasized enough because it's something that is easily forgotten. Easily forgotten in the sense that you know, sometimes you can stray. You know, maybe you start, you're letting the standards slip, things start getting sloppy, you make questionable decisions on who you let into your insurance life. You know, things get a little dark, a little hazy. You know, you start wearing eyeliner, some nail polish, you're not sure what's happening, and just things are getting weird in your life, and you're not sure why. And it's because, you know, you're slipping, you're forgetting who it is that you're going after. 
and it's hey it's that I you know I need this person to be here because well, why because multi car 350 to 400,000 you know bread and butter it's a high enough premium there's enough enough you know really just dollars on the table for it to make sense for me to and you know spend the time that it takes to get it done and I'm going to make the money that I need to make all important things right uh, it's easy to forget and then on the same side right then you know maybe you just you just get a little too you hit the lottery once or twice things start going a little too well for you you start maybe living beyond your means and saying well i'm i'm a highfalutin pocket watch wearing monocle looking son of a gun and i just want to deal with these people now you know you start you know you start learning how to how to put tobacco in a pipe and sit by fires you know and those types of things and that's okay too. Um, but again, back to the meat and potatoes, knowing you know what kind of meals find their way onto your um, table. Yes, that would be the right situation. That's what is, I think, the most valuable to understand. And you know, that's you know, that's I guess maybe maybe strangely enough, only the kind of the first step to making that identification. You know, I think that's beneficial. And part of the thing that I, like, I obsess over just in my role is first time home buyers. man, I love to educate those folks because I remember what it was like before I was in the industry buying my home and I had no idea what my deductible was. Yeah. Literally no lie until a tree fell on my house. And then that's not really the fun time to figure it all out, you know? And at the time I was with State Farm and I had a 1% deductible and I didn't know what that was or what that meant really. So, you know, like my thing, whenever I'm talking to a new person and, you know, I get a lot of those referrals because I would say 90% of my business comes from different mortgage brokers and real estate agents. And it's all that first time home buyer or next time home buyer basically who has either been burned in the past or doesn't have any idea what they should look out for. And so the value that I bring to the table is like educating them, letting them know that I'm here to answer any question they have to help them out. Because at some point, guess what? These things do happen as a homeowner. And I'm going to be the guy that you're going to want to trust to help you out. Well, I mean, that sounds, that sounds even better, Woody. I'm fully on board with what you are selling to me. You are there to educate them on what they need to look out for. For, there's so much potential in the first-time home buyer, um, and so it's not the right, so first-time home buyers. This is a longer, long play because you know there's a good chance a first-time home buyer is not necessarily buying a three hundred and fifty to four hundred thousand dollar house. That's definitely probably the next-time home buyer, or maybe that's like five percent of your first-time home buyers. Um, you know, circumstances, most people are not, I mean, well, I don't know what kind of life you lead down in, you know, the Southern, you know, Georgia parts of the world, buddy. I don't know what kind of, what the expectations are, but up here and, you know, just the rust belt, you know, that kind of stuff that doesn't happen until the second time around. So, um, but let's just assume that that seems like a logical thing that, that, that is probably true. So we're going to go with it. Uh, so either way, this, so we, we seem to have slightly conflicting reports, but however, this, the, the first time home buyer is the thing that is going to ultimately lead you into, you know, if you get them on the first one, then you just need to be able to maintain that relationship to the second, which doesn't seem like an overly difficult task to do, uh, you know, obviously because, you know, you're that person that's educating them, but there's just so much potential around, the questions, the uncertainty, the lack of knowledge that, 
you know, you could capitalize on for the people that have no idea what they're doing when they're buying their first house. And again, it's, it's just figuring out what those trigger points are. It's just paying attention to the conversations, listening to things that are already things. It's very descriptive. Let me explain what I mean by that is what are, what are the, what things are they talking about? Do other people in their position know about, right? Like what are the trigger points? Like what, what is the, how do I buy a first, you know, how do I buy my first home because of X, Y, Z? What's this that I need to look out for? Uh, you know, everything you need to know about buying a home in Georgia, all of those types, types of things can be easily leveraged, um, to your advantage. And, um, you can be driving, you know, substantial kind of traffic, leads all of those fun things through focusing on on you know really drilling down and understanding the problems the concerns and ultimately providing the solutions to those people and then again you just need to have a process in place that's going to and, and this is we're using first time home buyers as the example to insert your own thing here obviously uh, you can use that as the basis for the relationship as the family grows matures develops becomes the dream that it always was meant to be for those people. Uh, you can be there every step of the way to continue to just rack up a little more premium, a little more commission, a little more premium, a little more commission, and you're feeling pretty good about yourself. One car turns into two, two cars turn into four. Uh, the hundred uh, $150,000, $200,000 house turns into a three hundred fifty, four hundred, dollars maybe $500,000. they are really doing well. House, maybe there's some toys in the mix. All of the things start to happen. And it's all because you took the time and educated them when nobody else was willing. You gave them the attention. You played catch with them when they asked. You gave them the time of day to help solve a problem that nobody else was willing to for them in a way and on the time that was most convenient for them. Very ridiculously powerful things. It seems obvious and just kind of ridiculous and silly, but it's it's so easy. Now, the trick is the question, and this is the long debated sort of thing that you know I've kind of discussed, I've tossed out there on many, many episodes, is yes, it is powerful, and I think having the uh, you know agent to consumer, the one to one sort of marketing sale approach is very powerful. But there's something that you can do that just really takes it to a whole other level. It's all good stuff for sure. Yeah, I mean, because it's funny, you know. I mean, when I think about and, and people ask me, you know, like, well, even like new agents that we have hired, it it seems like there's got to be some kind of like secret sauce, and it's like. Yes, you look out in the parking lot, every single one of those people is a potential customer. But ultimately, like, how many people are they going to, in their lifetime or in the lifetime of them being your policyholder, how many people are they really going to refer to you, right? Yeah. So who are the people we can find that will constantly refer us business, steady, all day, every day, you know, every week? And then the answer is always like mortgage folks, you know, and to an extent real estate folks and or refinancing them. So there's just like so many opportunities, you know? So many opportunities, indeed. And even just the very last thing there, Woody, oh my goodness, refinancing a house, that's even like its own little diagonal offshoot of all of the things that we're already talking about that you can really just create, get in there, 
how do you re, how do you refinance your house? When do you know it's the right time to refinance your house? I mean, they seem more like banking questions, but I mean, ultimately, if you want to slip in there as the insurance agent and how refinancing might impact, you know, you give it the insurance spin, what refinancing your house does to your homeowner's insurance. I don't know. That seems like a decent headline. Um, but, you know, all of those things that you're listening to, right, that are the triggers for the reason that they might possibly start asking questions that would ultimately lead them to you. That's how you got to kind of get yourself in the right frame of mind is, well, what could they potentially ask that I might be able to potentially be in line for? Maybe not immediately, but, you know, one or two steps down the process. How can I, you know, one, back it up to where, you know, that process from the question is initially asked and then work its way to where I want to be found at the most kind of impactful, high leverage situation that sounds like a good time because, you know, when you can do that, that's, that's obviously very important, but it's even more important when you can develop those relationships with the people, as Woody had mentioned, that are going to give you business, not once every six months or once a year, or maybe every other year, you want somebody that's going to bring you business almost every day. And that's where the, you know, again, spoiler alert, mortgage folks, come in and I think this is a idea that has you know long been just kind of I don't want to say hiding but settling on like the you know the the ground floor of a lot of successful agencies and this isn't like news by any stretch of the imagination in fact you know there's yeah there's a lot of dedication to mortgage brokers in the space today uh and the one thing that doesn't happen as often is the you know the marketing to the one-to-one sale, right? Meaning I'm going to market to the person that's buying the house. I'm going to give them information to build trust versus I'm going to market to the person that's going to be a one-to-many sale. And it's not even necessarily a sale per se, but it's a one-to-many transaction, a relationship, a connection that you have said, well, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to create marketing that attracts the people that can bring me business every day and what does that look like and that's that's an even interesting more interesting more you know kind of tantalizing offer that would potentially be on the table because again you know you're creating the same amount of content you're creating it the same way except the return the bang for the buck is so dramatically higher because the potential is so much higher. Just the access is so much higher. And it really just comes down to making sure that you're working with some of the better, best, most motivated people in the you know region in which you have defined to call your own. And boy, does that just feel a little bit exciting because, uh, you know, committing to that, right? So not only, I mean, we've actually gone and identified almost three separate niches here for Woody, one being, you know, he's got his multi-car, three hundred and fifty dollars to $400,000 household person that's maybe the meat and potatoes. Then he's got, um, you know, then he's got his, uh, what's, geez, I'm forgetting, I can't even remember. Oh, his first-time home buyer. There we go. He's got his first-time home buyers, which is second. And then finally wrapping it up, you know, talking about going from one to the other, then he's got his mortgage folks. This is marketing if we're doing it right, you're, this is this is a an approach that is not going to get the same results for all of these people. That you 
you need three specific marketing approaches because they're going to it's not going to work on two out of the three more than likely um again if it's a ton of first time home buyer content that you're creating that's not going to work for the person that's buying the 35 you know uh, 350,000 to 400,000 dollar house not going to work uh, however, you could get away with the information, you know, for the three hundred and fifty to four hundred thousand dollar crew, possibly crossing over into the first time home buyer. But really, we're looking at three separate, basically avenues, messages that need to be communicated to people. Uh, just within the, I'm a personal lines, home auto life agent. That's where it starts. I'm a personal lines home auto life agent. And it gets deeper to the fact of, yes, I'd like to sell to first-time homebuyers, um, you know, well-established, not quite high net worth individuals, but don't have any trouble paying their bills, and they're not stressed for money, they have good paying jobs. And then, oh, by the way, because they're just, they have so much activity, I'd like to keep these mortgage guys around and, and you know, be their friend from time to time and, and you know, deliver them value as often as I can in a very enjoyable way. That's it. That's it. There's no, I mean, it's nothing fancy. It's just, you know, saying these are my people. These are the people that I want to do it for. Not getting overly polluted or complicated on introducing more people, more voices. This is kind of it, man. Just giving yourself the credit to figure out who is your meat and potatoes, how much you need of it, and how are you going to continue to get more. I need somebody to explain to me the no reservations movement in modern public dining. I don't quite understand how we as a society have gotten to a place where we can't say we're going to be here at this time with these many people and we'd like to enjoy a meal because we don't want to have to wait in the smallest area possible with an obnoxiously uh, annoying amount of people uh, when we're more than likely ridiculously hungry and more than likely with multiple children that barely know how to behave in social situations. Just would like to know when we got to the point where that no longer became a thing. I'm just not quite sure what broke. I'm not sure what interrogation tactic was used to say, listen, enough, I cannot, there's absolutely no way that I can guarantee of you saying, you're gonna be here with this many people and then we're gonna serve you food. It feels, it feels like they're going backwards as far as the whole customer experience goes. I mean, I, obviously, this is, it feels like most places, right? Um, you, know, you don't want to take a chance. You don't want to wait. I mean, you know, time is like the most valuable. Th- I feel like we have let. I feel like we have let this happen. We, meaning society as a whole. Um, I personally, you would, I don't know, maybe we did. I'm just curious because. I don't, I mean, one thing, I'm glad we don't have to do like the buzzer thing anymore most of the time. Although I got one at Panera Bread like maybe a month or two ago. I was like, I haven't seen one of these in a while. It's nice that they can like actually text you and you can, you know, go without, you know, move beyond like a hundred foot radius of the restaurant. That's kind of cool if it's an excessive weight. Just, I mean, 
can we reward people for being prepared, responsible human beings of saying, I'm going to plan ahead because I know I want to eat at this place at 7.15. And would you please just have a table ready for me? And even if I am just a terrible human being and I make that reservation really nearly just loosey-goosey, if you will, and I don't show up, I mean, you, you're, you're in such high demand, you just give it to the next person. I'm going on. This is turning. It's really just, I honestly don't even go out to eat that much. I honestly don't even really ever see the insides of restaurants, to be honest, because I have three kids. But it feels like this is something that I need to get ahead of now for, you know, like when in like, I don't know, like 10 years. Somebody tell me like what's an acceptable, reasonable amount of time to where, um, you know, we could go out in public with those things as many of them as, as I have and not just not have a terrible time. 10 years, 15, I don't know. 18 feels like excessive because they should be able to behave themselves before then. But maybe I shouldn't just give them enough credit. I, maybe I'm just giving them too much credit. Uh, I'm just preparing. I'm just getting a head start so we can maybe fix this. So that's not a problem. I don't know. JoeyAgencyNation.com. What is not a problem is your ability to go over to AgencyNation.com slash newsletter, grab yourself... Um, what some, mostly Ryan, calls the most dynamic insurance newsletter in the industry. I guess I could maybe agree with him. Uh, feel free, head on over there, agencynation.com slash newsletter, and uh, come see what it's all about.